You're listening to episode 118, and today we're talking about how we can do less for our kids. Take a listen. Hey everyone, welcome back to Same Boat Huddle, the summer sessions. So we are nearing the end of the summer, August 29th, which is when the Layered Growth Academy doors open for applications will be uh, the last summer session. However, I personally have been loving these 15 minute episodes. I'd love to hear from you if this is something that you would continue to like to hear. And maybe every now and then there's a longer episode. Um, Hopefully some interviews can come in there as well. Uh, Let me know because that's kind of how I'm leaning. I really love these quick hitters. I think it's uh, just getting some really good content and conversation in a quick few minutes and fits into our schedules and our energetic management really well. So let me know. Shoot me an email, erin at erinjoyceco.com. And also, like I just mentioned, the Layered Growth Academy application will be available on my website starting on August 29th. Uh, The start date for this run will be October 1st. I like to have that month cushion to get you set up into your digital classroom to do the beginning videos to get you all set up. I love sending out a gift box to you um, and just taking care of those details. Uh, And then your technical start date would be October 1st, running for six months. I'm taking three women in this round, and I'm going to tell you there are now only two spots available because one has already been taken. So while the application period does open on the 29th, I never turn someone away if they come to me and say, I think this is what I need in my life. I always honor intuitive hits and guidance and action. And if I feel like we are a great match and that this program really could support you, uh, we'll get you set up. So if that rings true for you, if you're thinking like, man, I don't want to wait for the 29th to fill out an application, you just send over an email. You can reply to my Friday um, newsletter. You can just send an email, Aaron at AaronJoyceCo.com. You can go to my website, AaronJoyceCo.com um, under contact me. And if you want to read more about the Layered Growth Academy, again, it's a six-month program with coaching mentorship that includes 16 modules of content based on the layered growth method. It supports you in your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual growth so that you can feel more in control of your life, more balanced, more healed, more just everything, happy, balanced, all of that good stuff. Uh, and manage your schedule and your energy. This is, it's the, the best stuff. And one of my favorite parts is how much your communication with your spouse shifts in this program as a byproduct. So they really benefit too. Um, that's really just been the experience of all the women who've been through it that I've been able to see. And I, I love that unexpected byproduct of this program. So again, erinjoyceco.com, you can go there for all the details, uh, contact me, all that stuff. So I want to get into today's episode. This is a request from a listener. Another side note, if there's something you ever want me to talk about or a question you have, never hesitate to shoot me an email and let me know. It's my favorite thing. I usually um, will record the episode for you for the next uh, for the next Monday if I don't have one recorded already. So never hesitate to reach out. So the question was, how do we do less for our kids? And she explained it's coming from a place of she knows it's it's her own quote unquote stuff, right? But it's this feeling and limiting belief that if I don't do it for them, they won't be okay. If I don't help them, they won't be okay. I think this is such a beautiful question and I know it probably resonates with so many of us. And I, I feel like I know that because there's actually this term called lawnmower parenting. So I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with the idea of... Um, hover, what is it? Helicopter parents, because they hover, right? They're the the generation who just kind of was always there watching so they could swoop in, right? Just in case. 
And now we have this term called lawnmower parenting. And you can research this and read more about it too. And also there's no shame, guys. We are doing the best we can. And we all come from a place of love and um, just huge love for our kids and wanting to do what's best for them. So there is no manual. Nothing is right or wrong. And I'm simply answering the question that if you feel like you want to do less for your kids, this is what I think. And I want you to, I always say, chew the fruit and spit out the seeds. You take what is relevant to you and what makes sense. And if there's something you hear that's like, well, I don't agree with that. Awesome. I'm so happy that that you don't and you know that you don't because we can't take every single thing we hear, especially in podcasts and books like that as Bible, right? So lawnmower parenting comes from this concept of uh, my generation being the type who almost literally paved the path for the, the kid so that they don't have any obstacles at all. And it, again, it comes from a place of love. It's like we have, and it comes from our own stuff. Like maybe we've been through so much or this is how I was raised or I feel like I was just fed to the wolves and I had to like figure stuff out myself. I don't want my kids to feel that emotional wounding. So I'm going to just take the obstacles away and it, and literal, literally and figuratively. So as babies, like moving the stuff out of the way when they're walking, um, you know, just keeping them out of harm's way and doing it for them. But it does raise the question of, you know, when is when is it too much? And it, it reminds me of this um, situation I was in years ago where I, I had a coworker whose daughter was um, nearing college age. I think she was like later high school. And she was talking with me just with her, her mom worry of, you know, how do I know she's going to be okay? Like I can't go to parties with her or like be in the car with her, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Cause I was real young. I was in like early mid twenties. I don't know the answer to that. I was like, but I know who would know is my mom. <laughs> and I remember I asked my mom, I was like, what advice would you give someone who's at this stage of parenting? And my mom said, uh, she's like, the mom worry never goes away, but my only prayer and hope is that I gave them as much of a foundation as I could, them meaning me and my brothers, so that you guys knew what to do without me so that you were competent adults to know like just the prayer that I gave you everything you needed to know all the morals all the values all the life lessons and all of the foundation so that you were fully equipped and prepared to do life on your own and that's my perspective on this question is how do you do less for your kids it's very much a mindset thing the beauty of having our kids with us in our home for 18 years is that we have 18 years to slowly begin to pull back and be with them and not in a hover way not in a lawnmower way but in a way of being their guide and their teacher through different situations. So as an example, how often do we hear ourselves, me included? So as I give, you know, I always say I'm preaching to the choir. Like I'm I'm in this with you. Like when we say to our kids, don't do that, you're going to get hurt, right? There's something called a natural consequence, which is a really, really beautiful part of um, conditioning and behavior is that when you have a natural consequence, you learn a lot quicker. Like when you touch a hot stove, you're not going to touch a hot stove again. But if someone says, don't touch it, you're going to get hurt. You don't understand why. So it's important to engage your children in a way of asking them to think about it, ask them to think about it and support them so that when they're by themselves, they're not getting hurt emotionally and physically because they have no one there to tell them don't do it. 
that they have the executive functioning because you were their teacher and their guide with them. So if they did get hurt, you were there with them. So it's saying to your to your child, they're at the stove and saying, like, and obviously this is going to change for, if they're two, you're pulling them away. You're not saying, let's talk about this. But if there's, you know, six, seven, eight years, maybe even five, four, depending, all kids are different ranges of uh, um, development and understanding and all that. But saying like, hey, this stove is really hot. What do you think would happen if you get too close to it? right? That, so you are helping them. You are doing something for, for them to support them, but you're not doing it for them. You're not saying get away from the stove or like, I'm not going to teach you how to cook because I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. Here's the thing that that's how we learn. You fall down. I was just saying this to an LGA client the other day that we are going to fall down. Confidence is built through repetition. So if we don't let our child continue to try and try and try, they're not going to build their own confidence to know that they can handle it. You know, we can't hold on to the bicycle seat forever. They are going to fall. But it's showing them that A, you can get back up. You might break your wrist. Yeah, like it could it could be like a pretty crappy situation, but you can heal, you can get through it, and you can get better at it, right? As opposed to, and also for them to recognize and know and see, I am, someone is here for me and they do love me, but they're not doing it for me. So it's, it's setting your child up for success and gradually allowing them to take on more responsibilities. And my friend, like it's hard. So here's an example I'm thinking of actually. My, my daughter, our daughter is nine years old and she convinced us to um, get a hamster. (laughs) Let's add another living thing to the house. And, um, I was about the same age when I got a hamster. I took care of that thing all on my own. Like I was thinking back, I was like, I don't know if my parents, I'm sure they, in the beginning, like they showed me what to do, but that was a hundred percent my responsibility. There were times that the, the cage got so stinky and smelly and it had to get to the point that I was like, I need to clean it because this, I don't want my room smelling like this. I dealt with, um, you know, saying I need to get food because I've run out and, and asking like, can you take me to the pet store? All that stuff, taking the hamster out and handling it and, my mom and stepdad never came up and said like, be careful, um, you know, that it might run away or this might happen. I, I had, and here's the thing it did, it got out. Um, I'm sure I've dropped it before. Like I had to kind of go through those natural consequences to learn how to take care of this hamster. So now here I am, this 39 year old mother letting her daughter get a hamster for the first time. And I am like, oh my God, it's going to run away. I don't want her to pick it up because I'm afraid she's going to drop it and it's going to get hurt or an animal's, you know, dog or cat's going to get it. But I'm, I'm working really hard. Like this is my work to allow her to build her own confidence, to learn and to, to show her, I trust you to do this on your own and that there might be a natural consequence of a lost hamster or a really dirty cage that's even more disgusting to clean out. But then that's a natural consequence of, I don't like this. I don't want this to happen again. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to set an alarm myself to clean it every, every other week. And then you come into the problem that the cage is so big. I told my husband last night, I was like, she can't physically pick it up on her own. So we're going to have to help her, but we need her to take the initiative to teach her, you know, what's a, and here's the thing, asking her, what's a way that you could remember to clean the cage regularly and allowing her to use her own executive functioning. I know we could set an alarm on the Alexa or write it down on the calendar or something, but I need her to figure that out. And if she can't, then we come in to support her. So we have all of this time with our kids to help problem solve and troubleshoot and give them a little more responsibility regularly. And and 
managing our own anxieties and worry, which is so hard and feels so uncomfortable in a lot of these situations, but recognizing that this is how they're going to begin to build their confidence. And this is how we begin to trust ourselves to trust them and that they'll feel trusted and they'll, they'll become so competent in who they are and not just in doing something well, but knowing that when they do fall down, they're confident enough to know how to dust themselves off and get up by themselves so that when we can't be there with them, when they are at the college party faced with a really difficult decision, that they have the confidence and their own autonomy to make their own decisions, that they don't have to look to somebody else to tell them what to do and think like, well, I've always like I've never made decisions decisions on my own. I've never told myself what to do because someone was always there for me telling me what to do. We can put like, that's for me, that fear is bigger than dealing with the fear that comes up of a hamster running away or them falling down on the bike or um, having a scary moment while learning to swim. It's like, I'm right there and I know I can help them if they need it, but I need them to learn to build their own confidence. So that's what I encourage you to do is obviously, and that's where I think an episode could get a lot bigger and you can certainly email me, like if your kid's a certain age, you'd be like, how would you handle this situation? I'm very happy to talk with you. Just just shoot me an email. But recognizing like in the, the different ages of your kids, how can you support them to ask them questions, to prompt them to do things on their own? How can you manage your own anxieties and really dig into that? Why does this make me so nervous? You know, what, what about this feels so hard and what is that about me? And really be cognizant of, am I projecting that onto my own kid and how is that going to support them or not hurt them, but hold them back, I guess is probably the better way of saying it. And also giving yourself the space and grace to know you're not perfect. None of us are. Again, there's no handbook and loving them is always what we can fall back on. And to know that if you came from your best place and which our best looks different every day, by the way, and we always come back to love, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. None of us are doing this perfectly. Do not compare yourself to how other people are raising their kids. We all have our own ancestry and experiences in life, and we're doing the best we can with what we have. So give yourself credit where credit is due that you're an incredible mother and parent, and you're doing a phenomenal job, okay? So I hope that this um, this episode gives you a little bit of insight and ideas of how to uh, continue to be the awesome parent you are. And uh, and maybe you heard something today where you're like, I don't agree with that. And that's awesome because that just confirms what you do believe in and what is true for you. And that's so important to feel that. So, okay, go out there, have an amazing week, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I will talk to you next time.